and welcome to the Dicer Screaming Podcast. Oh. Hey. Hey, and welcome. Yeah, it's uh, it's a brand new year, and uh, well, we're finally back. We took a little hiatus there. I'm Randy. I'm Mike. Yeah, you just heard from Mike giving the groan there. <laughs> so yeah, another year. Uh, yes, you... our inaugural 2021 opening podcast. It's so good to be back. Yeah, the holidays and a lot of things kept us uh, a little busy, so... Oh, that chiefly worked, folks, for which I apologize, but uh, it, it certainly was worth it. Uh, the holidays were, you know, muted but awesome. Yeah. So much love was felt. Uh, and it's... That having been said, it is wonderful to be back. Welcome to 2021, and it's really good to be on the air. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we miss you guys... Uh, being able to get our word out there. And uh, special thanks to all our supporters who uh, stood by us in this little bit of a, a buster cluck of a time. Hopefully we'll get past this and into some more better days up ahead. Oh, uh, we will. We've got some remarkable things lined up for 2021. Uh, early, too. So Yeah, we had them from last year, too. And, mm, well, it didn't work out so well. But hopefully we'll work out pretty well. Uh, anyway, um, we're hale and hearty and all that, and we hope you are too. And uh, just hope that uh, things are holding out for everybody. So uh, we had left off on talking about Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk 2077 just broke out, and of course uh, Cyberpunk Red had come out with it as well. So we decided to have a little Cyberpunk night, a, a celebration. And boy, did we touch an herb. So uh, yeah, I mean, really thrilled to get messages on this one from people who likewise both enjoyed the early editions uh and apparently are really digging the new one too yeah which yeah excellent i'm pretty happy i i came late okay i did not play the very first edition of cyberpunk i i too was like that 90s moment where i finally jumped in you got on board years before i did but uh it was just in the it kind of landed at the right time and the right place, I think, for me. But in any case, it was, uh, yeah, we spent a lot of time gushing about it last night. I'm going to rehash that. Anyway, yeah. uh, we got some call-ins. So first we're going to hear from Joe and then Jason, and then we'll be right back. So stick around. Yo, dudes, I know you get sad if I don't call in for a while, so here you go. <laughs> anyway, awesome Cyberpunk episode. Cyberpunk 2020 was one of the games I played the most as a kid. I played a rocker, a solo, uh, Nomad. I don't know anybody who played uh, a cop or a corp, but you know, I'm sure some people did. I freaking love it. Uh, I picked up Cyberpunk Red when it came out, and just reading that little bit of short fiction at the beginning just took me straight back to the early 90s, and I was, ah, oh, it felt so good. It was awesome. I also picked up uh, Hardwired based on y'all's recommendation. It's downloading right now. going to throw it on my phone and dive into it tonight, so I'm excited about that because I've been looking for something to read. So thanks for the recommendation. I'll talk to you guys later. Great stuff. Peace out. Hey, guys. Jason here. Just want to say, enjoyed your Cyberpunk episode. I came into Cyberpunk with Cyberpunk 2020. You know, played back in the 90s, really enjoyed it. You know, I owned a second edition of Shadowrun and read it, but, we, you know, Cyberpunk was our game, not Shadowrun. I picked up Cyberpunk Red, joined a group as a player, and played in two games so far. It's a lot of fun. The net running stuff I really like, really like what they did with that. 
it's not as deadly. We're in a firefight without any armor, and people were taking multiple, you know, four or five shots of the handguns to the, to the body. So, but, you know, I can forgive that because they've really done a lot of neat things with Cyberpunk Red. So, I definitely think it's worth looking at, but great job, great recap of the genre, and looking forward to the next one. Take care. All right. Well, thanks, fellas. Yeah. Uh, glad you liked the reference for Hardwired. Oh, Joe, glad that you liked that. Um, hope oh, you enjoyed yeah. it. It's been a while since uh, you put that message on there and we've been able to get to it. But we, I certainly uh, let us know what you think of it. Uh, it's one of my favorites. And, um, you know, I'm not uh, trying to diss anyone. I think uh, one thing we were a little remiss is saying that. Dang, you know, first remiss of the year. Yeah, I know. It's uh, <sighs> a lot of firsts. One of the things that we were missing is talking about the grandfathers of cyberpunk. Now, as much as William Gibson, I think that uh, we owe a lot to Philip K. Dick. Oh, absolutely. We, I, look, and even Norman Spinrad. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, but we're going to be touching that more upon that later, about uh, talking about science fiction greats. But we didn't want to get too far in the weeds on that one because we were just rambling on crazy like so. Oh yeah, that was that was a love affair with the the origins uh, and roots that went into the making, and I mean it's literally too big to squeeze all of them in. I was very flattered to find out uh, after we had done the podcast, uh, I was made aware uh, literarily. I was reading an article, and I was made aware that the recent edition of Cyberpunk mentions. Mr. Williams, uh, Walter John Williams and Hardwired. Yep. Yeah, he was As, one of the playtesters. Yeah, that, that like this was a massive major influence. I didn't know, actually, that it was a legitimate direct influence. I was sure that it was a tertiary influence because of, you know, I mean, it, it's this fantastic book that was really underrated for its time period. I mean, how it has not become a major, like, motion picture property by now boggles my mind. I, I assume that, like, The Matrix sucked all the action out of the room and people went, ah, all right, now it's been done. So they stopped doing those kind of things. Those projects went off the books. Right. Oh, well, hey, man, I'm just I'm throwing it out there. If there's anybody who knows anybody in the, the whole screenplay biz... Uh, and, you know, uh, properties. Uh, science fiction is back with a vengeance. Thank you very much, uh, John uh, Favreau and oh, Mandalorian. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, that, my next hope is that somebody picks up Hardwired and turns that into a viable film property because it would be amazing. Well, Denny Villeneuve and also uh, whoever is... Uh... The Minds Behind the uh, Isaac Asimov Foundation Trilogy, bringing that to uh, Netflix. Yeah. That's going to be a big thing. So so I, I did not know that that was a completely leg- legitimate connection. I just thought it was one of those things where it went into the you know, general atmosphere of the 1980s and then it soaked into people's brains uh, and you know, thereby partially influenced uh, what people expect out of playing cyberpunk. Or cyberpunk style. And yeah, uh, shout out to you, Jason. Um, yeah, Shadowrun's more my thing. But I definitely enjoyed running some cyberpunk, cyberpunk red. Uh, I have a friend who plays a solo a lot, like me. And uh, 
you know, the new solo, definitely one thing that we were reminiscing about is there is very few th uh, classes player experience wise that I've had that makes me feel like the character class. And, you know, while you can play it, you can get something similar from a barbarian in D and D or Pathfinder. Mm, the solo and cyberpunk, man, you, everybody else is, there's just solos and non-solos when you play one. That's the way you got to look at life. Yeah, yeah, you can, yep, I'm, I'm definitely looking at you, Nomad. Nomads are tough and fierce, but boy, solo. <laughs> if you want to know what it's like, I, well, yeah, the name says it all. Yeah. Okay. You really don't need anybody else. The only thing a solo really has to worry about is another solo. Okay, that's yeah, you, you know the rest of the party's there for your support. That's that's the way it is, and it's not because the class is OP, but the way that they, the way the character class performs. Yeah, pulling triggers is is what they do, but also just uh, staying alive in combat. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the uh, the game. While I make it out to be very deadly, uh, yeah, the. Uh, they have up the armor, but that's, I think, because in the basic part of the game, the, the jumpstart, they're not really hitting all the uh, critical hit rules and stuff like that. So, yeah. Oh, that all, okay. okay. You know, and also headshots, negatives, you know, taking negative six to it just in the in the basic game. Whew. Yeah. Double no damage from a uh, six dice six handgun. Oh, oh yeah. Mm. Uh, not pretty. No. <laughs> not for the squeamish. Nope. And <laughs> well, see, so we use the floating dice. critical hit where you roll a 10, you roll the location again, and there's no armor on that. Oh. Ooh. No armor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no save. Sayonara. <laughs> Just say goodbye. <laughs> I hope you brought oh. extra character sheets. Yeah, because that's, you know, that's what happens when you get a gunfight. Oh. And, you know, that's why uh, all your characters with the high stealth, like the nomads getting into position first with their shotguns and sniper rifles and and the pictures with their SMGs. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, Jason, I'm glad you joined, man. And, uh, you know, it's just nice to see some of these older games coming back and getting not only just a new coat of paint, but getting a whole new makeover where you realize that there's no such thing as an old game. Oh, yeah. The concepts are just as fresh. You know, I would if you would have come at me 10 years and said Cyberpunk could have been relevant again like this, I might have looked at you and said, you know, I think that it just, it, it's really dated and it shows its age. But here, where they diverge from the timeline, yeah. They, a totally fresh new approach to it. They made the necessary changes to make it relevant in our current timeline. And mm -hmm. I approve. I... By moving it away, strangely. That's a strange yeah. dichotomy. <laughs> uh, unique to the science fiction genre. It, it's unfortunate but necessary that to stay viable in a science fiction genre, you have to push the date back. You, you've got to move further away uh, from now. And I, they did it. They did it well. Yeah. They well executed. I, I stand by your proclamation that this is the future we could have had if MTV just <laughs> kept playing music videos and stayed away from reality TV shows. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. If uh, uh, the real world uh, had not happened, this would be the world we inherited with flying exactly. cars. And I'm 
sticking by what I said last year. Yeah. I still want my jetpack. <laughs> That's all I wanted. I, uh, look, I was raised on Johnny Quest. You can blame me for nothing. I want my jetpack. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> uh, that or my hovercraft. One of the two, yeah. All right, well, well we got one more uh, message to get to, so we'll be right back. Stick around. Hey, guys, just want to say I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast this past year. And, hey, there's a, a light. It's a little bit dim, but there's a light on the horizon. 2021's coming. So take care of yourselves. Have Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, fill in the blank. But I've really enjoyed interacting with you guys, and I look forward to more of it in the coming year. So take care. All right. Thanks a lot, Jason. Yeah, we really enjoyed interacting with you. You've been a frequent caller, so... Feels like family, man. Uh, so thanks a lot for everything. And uh, yeah, we're coming to the end of everything. And uh, last week was definitely, on a serious tone, a tough time for us to actually come together and uh, have a podcast. So it's uh, folks like you and the rest of our Dice Streaming family that make us feel important. And uh, like we actually care about what we say. And that's why we didn't come out last week. It was uh, everybody knows what happened at the Capitol, and uh, it was an extremely surreal and uh, stressful time. And it did not like everything seemed to fade into unimportance compared to the very serious things. And I don't think either of us felt like being a distraction from much more important events. Uh, so we put it off one more week, and made this our inaugural 2021 return to the podcast. Yeah. And you can expect no less from the pillage idiots of gaming podcasting. We are. We are the pillage idiots. (laughs) Inexplicably pooping in the hallways of of gaming podcasting. I'm not going to touch that one. I'm just going to let it lay. Okay. Too soon. I did. I I know. That's totally your decision. That's what I'm for. Right. I'm I'm just going to walk away from it. And uh but seriously, we are uh, really thankful for you all. We have great supporters. And I'm so glad that we're all here in the new year. We made it out of 2020. Yeah. Oh, uh, there's there's no promise that this year will truly be better. But I'm going to say the bar for being worse is currently very high. So. Yeah, you know, it's going to be really hard to be worse. So <laughs> Uh, you really got to put in the OT to, to manage to screw this year up worse than the last one. Agreed. <laughs> Let's yeah. just be thankful for what we got. We also... Uh, thanks to Pfizer and AstraZeneca and the rest of them uh, getting the job done. Yeah, uh, yeah. People are going to start getting their shots very shortly. Uh, you know, we're, we're not like prime candidates for immediate, so uh, neither of us have got it yet. But I'm finally starting to know people. Who have gotten there, so especially amongst the senior crowd. Uh, but as it trickles its way down over the next few months, people are finally going to start hitting gaming tables again face to face, and that is the thing that I have clung to. Looking forward to it. Oh man, it's gonna be great. Yeah, hopefully this is the year we get back to the gaming table. And if that's if this and that's the one thing about 2021 that we get to take away from it, I'm I'm in. I'm totally in. I want to get back to the table. So with that, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with our topic for tonight. And then we're going to bid you adieu. So make sure you stick around.
Alrighty, so we're back and uh, coming at you with some topic. Okay, topic. What should we talk about? All right. Well, this is listener supported podcast. Yeah, it actually is now. For which I would like to issue my thanks. Yeah. So you're listening to NPR. I don't know. Okay, we can't even go there because no, I no. that's a leads us to a dark place. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, one of our listeners, supporters, asked if they could uh, suggest a topic about the theater of the mind versus battle mats, miniatures, and props. And you know what? Uh, it's not just pandering to say that that struck a chord with us, because there's an entirely valid examination taking place there. That uh, These are two radically different uh, visions of what gaming can be and what gaming delivers to the people like at the table uh, or now in a more virtual friendly environment that we have seen explode in 2020 uh, the theater of the mind has become more and more critical uh, versus the traditional group of people around a table with miniatures battle map and so on now Virtual tabletops have also developed techniques for having a literal visual aid, uh, you know, ready system available to users. And I approve. Uh, there, there have been some innovations in the way in which uh, party position and actions are displayed uh, so that people can, you know, visualize them in a, in a comfortable way. But you know, what a fantastic thought. The difference between the more purely of-the-mind imagination-only versus the more concrete tabletop, you know, preparation with miniatures and likewise. I, it, it definitely, I, it tweaked something inside me like, ooh, why have we not done that? Well, we have. We, we've touched quite a bit. Now, we've the... spoken of the joy of miniatures. Yeah. Yeah, and... Uh some of the pros and cons. So we've kind of danced around the subject. And again, I'm going to fall that onto the, onto my sword <laughs> on this one. And, uh, I'm going to do a Chevy chase Pratt fall right off a plane. Yeah. I'm going to start it off with that, that I prefer the theater of the mind, but there's a lot of context that has to be given with that. And it's not an absolute in any shape, way or form. So we're going to talk about the, both the pro and the con. So just start it off on a light note. Let's do it with the pro. Okay, so whether you're playing with a battle map, Dwarven Forge, or just some hastily scrawled stuff on a piece of paper, you're using a secondary tool for engagement right off the bat. Because now you're defining what everybody's seeing in their internal mindscape onto a piece of paper. So that is... A pro, and it sounds like, okay, yeah, you're also throwing the caveat that it could be limiting, but no, 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 no. What I'm saying primarily is that now you're specifically defining what it is that you're describing and talking about, especially for combat. This is very important, and it's also very key for games that are very rules-heavy, especially in tactical miniatures, almost uh, incorporating them as a necessity like Pathfinder where a lot of the feats and subsystems run off of spacing, reach, and size of the creatures. These become very important factors. Where, I'm not going to downplay in earlier editions, yeah, they were very vital, but they weren't as important. And I think that is, from a philosophy of game design, 
important to take into context that that is how games evolve and that's how they were seen. So to optimize miniatures and a battlescape into that, whether it be on virtual tabletop or it be any of in the extremes of the other side, which is just a piece of paper with some uh, quickly sketched out hallways and uh, positioning. These are important and they optimize that. And I think that is important from the standpoint that they needed to make these things critical so that there was some impetus to have these miniatures. All right, fair enough. I, I, I hear you there. Uh, looking back, I would... Yeah, once again, like, I, I fall into, like, like gaming bisexual, you know. <laughs> I like some of this and some of that. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of, like, yeah. congratulations, Mr. Won't Commit. Uh, you know, I, that's me. Yeah. I, I have enjoyed... Uh, <laughs> All right, maybe I should find another word. All right, uh, all right. I, I, but let's go with enjoy. Savored. <laughs> Just, I, uh, I, I've sampled all the savoir faire of gaming, and I've, I've liked it all. I've, I've enjoyed uh, games that really, uh, campaign-wise, frequently made use of miniatures. I have also enjoyed Theater of the Mind style, where, I mean, I don't think anything but, like, a desperate attempt to map the non-Euclidean maze of the Wraith Lord Monfear, uh, which, yeah, a couple of seizures and an aneurysm later. Uh, <laughs> I give up! I give up! Somebody cast a divination and get us the hell out of this place. Uh, but I, I've done both. And I, I cannot actually bring myself to fall firmly on one side or the other. Uh, I, I think it's just a wild over-enthusiasm for gaming altogether. Like, if I hit a table and a game is going on, I'm usually almost deliriously happy to the point where, like, I, I've stopped paying attention to what the other details are. Like, oh my god, I'm gaming! I'm so happy! <laughs> well, uh, wild enthusiasm can yeah. make up for a lot of shortcomings. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, an absence of skill <laughs> uh, or planning <laughs> is totally made up for by, like, just ravenous enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. and... Uh, okay. With regard to Theater of the Mind, uh, I think one of the pros is that it sharpens the imagination and the relationship between the DM who is issuing descriptions. More is placed upon the DM without a visual aid. You have to be more precise and you have to remember very carefully. Yeah, consistency what is a key. Yeah, and it, that is an extremely challenging thing for a new DM. I would actually recommend sticking with miniatures, battle mats, and visual aids if you're a newer DM because it gives you time to build the skill set and to build the memory requirements to work with later without the net. Uh, and I don't think of either of these two styles of gaming as superior or inferior. I'm just saying that one puts some demands on you that may be extremely hard unless you have some very easygoing players. Right. I also think... Um... And we're going to go pro when you talk about the use of miniatures and battle maps and all that. Oh, yeah. That the visual impact cannot be understated. Well-painted miniatures on almost a diorama-like play environment with Dwarven Forge oh. is an experience all unto itself. Now, with that also comes some of the 
the cons, which we'll talk about this one, there's a very heavy con that comes with this, but with the theater of the mind, I'm very much with you. I like both types, but I kind I come down very heavily on the theater of the mind because I've noticed that a lot of times if I say there's a goblin hiding behind a table and somebody says like, okay, I'm going to take that table and I'm going to kick it over, exposing the goblin or maybe pummeling them with it in the same process. It offers players a choice to be more creative than they normally would have in some circumstances. But again, it's about consistency and being explicit in your descriptions or yeah. at least conversant enough to convey the environment that the players, principally their characters, are finding themselves in, and their opponents. Now, having a running battle, that said, having a running battle with a group of kobolds in a tight and closed lair can be made very visual and very exacting with a battle map or a play area. Um which I think facilitates a little bit like this is how the game was kind of envisioned to be played as almost a war game simulation. Correct. Uh, there, the components in the earliest versions of the game, in, I mean, remembering it morphed out of the world of wargaming, uh, and so the miniatures component was like literally an initial factor that faded away as the early role-playing element expressed itself more fully, but... It never vanished. It was always right. And having like the third edition rules that relied more heavily on miniatures, I think was a key draw for a lot of people because now not only could you were you able just to get a visual a benefit out of it, you were able to get an actual gameplay advantage out of it with some of the beats and weapons. Oh, now that would also be said, yeah, the reach and uh, uh, also things like that. But and the rise of uh, miniatures as a reasonable cost product. Yeah. Uh, the mass production capacity and the quality uh, for non-metallic miniatures, uh, you know, not that long ago, uh, they just took this amazing leap forward and it made things possible for tabletop play with miniatures that simply were, it was not feasible for most gamers. Yeah, younger about ones especially. 40, like, 50 years ago, uh, well, about 40 years ago, it was just ridiculously non-viable for younger gamers. Uh, yeah, like a box of uh, nine Grenadier miniatures, and those little gold, solid gold line miniature boxes. So there was like nine of them or something like that. Yeah, they had a couple months. You could get player characters pretty reasonable. That Getting a player character, one that matched your one-legged dwarf with a crossbow, you know. Okay. Yeah, all right, you know, but... but Could be a little bit... Elf with bow. Yeah, if you were playing pretty loose with the standards, and you just, yeah, this guy's pretty close. Dude with two-handed sword. I, I right. that. I right, we my, did that. We, I loved my dude with the two-handed yeah, sword. Yeah, I know. I my... But the variety was not quite there yet, and now this enormous leap forward, including uh, the <laughs> customizable... Yeah, the customizable stuff, yep. Uh, I, there are moments where I almost swoon, okay, I, where I get overexcited like some 18th century lady, you know, with the corset too tight and oh, can't no. get air. Oh, oh, be still my heart. Boom. And out I go. They make customizable 3D miniatures. Oh. Exactly. And Uh-oh, he's out. Man but you could, find, you could find a good... There was a good variety for player characters, nonetheless. But monsters, you know, that required a lot of collection. And usually oh. that fell to the DM. 
we had to go for communal. Yeah. Um, you know, certain people own certain miniatures, and you know, when a player would leave, it's like a divorce. <laughs> oh, uh, man, we lost the Umber Hulk. Uh, no. And so, he owes me for pizza. <laughs> yeah, true enough. <laughs> Old debts never settled. So, you know, when you have uh, battle mat and miniatures, or if you're, you know, lucky enough to have Dwarven Forge and all the accoutrements, you know, you uh, we talked with Pat uh, Gilligan, uh, Galligan, excuse me, Gilligan. <laughs> Gilligan! Yeah, it was supposed to be a three-hour tour. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> Pat Galligan's, forgive me. You can use a variety of materials to make uh, very, very attractive and very oh. uh, cost-effective scenery. Yeah, and vivid dioramas are completely uh, within reason. Yeah, and, you know, it's just time and your ability to be crafty about it. But, that said, painting and collecting miniatures is a, is a hobby all unto itself. But, you know... Also, transportation and the ability to display them. And also, if you're playing in uh, a very versatile or mobile area where, you know, you don't know where you're going to be from one week to another versus having a set up place where you can leave stuff or collect it. It's all it's all yours uh, to yeah, make that, those decisions. That is on one which of those challenges. I mean, that, so that's you, a con. Yeah, the okay. slices starts to become a con. And especially if you have an elaborate setup, the more elaborate or bigger it is. Some people like to have these huge dungeons pre-laid out and, you know, use a fog of war effect where uh, plates are lifted up as they enter various areas. And I love uh, the advent of virtual gaming, which, I mean, uh, there was an article posted on the Facebook page uh, talking about the radical changes in the way in which people gamed during 2020, during the mm -hmm. pandemic. Uh, drove innovation that is going to last, okay? I mean, there was a progression towards virtual gaming and being able to fuse together, like, at-home individual theater of the mind with uh, actual visual aids and representation uh, in an online forum. And the hunger for that that expanded so rapidly brought a lot of innovation. So uh, the way in which we play virtually is no longer going to mean being strictly governed by theater of the mind type rules. Uh, that is beginning to rapidly fall by the wayside and more and more is becoming possible if people want it. I mean, there are options that are out there. Right. I, I'm i amazed by what's being done in... Yeah, know. there's definitely some steps forward where we have to start looking at that the way we play may be changing entirely. And I'm all right with change and innovation. I'm yeah. I'm a, I'm yeah. Look, uh, we, we both used got to say hair, but we're not terrified because I mean we've already been through a lot of changes in like thirty odd years. Uh, what is it? Uh, I think thirty seven years of gaming each. Yeah. Uh, at this point, it's really hard to be particularly intimidated by one or two new changes at a time. Like uh, just one or two. Yeah, oh, if You're anything, not... I think the technology is actually catching up with our imaginations. Yeah, which isn't scary at all. It's exciting. I, you know. Yeah, if you tell me, like, okay, you can visually draw and move a map around on top of a table by a projector or have a screen embedded into a, the base of the table that does this for you, I'm with you. And, uh, you know, 
like I like painting miniatures, but I'm going to be honest with you, it's a pain in the butt. You know, it's a pain in the butt to carry them around. It's a pain in the butt to set them up, and it's a pain in the butt to move them around during play when you could be using that time to use your voice and your imagination to describe it. So, yeah, I come it's down... It's a labor of love. You've got to have a passion for it. You've yep. got to be vested emotionally in the process of working with those, you know, physical, visual representations. Yep. And if you don't feel... A great love for it if it doesn't bring you happiness i gotta say it's probably not worth it in that case now for those who feel a kinship for it I, like yeah i just got done talking about beautiful miniature is a thing of enormous pride to like have it in a little case uh and bring it out for a game that regularly uses them uh and to have that well rendered miniature oh I, it's a magical feeling i You've, you've yeah. got to have that love for it, where that excitement comes out, and I have that for almost everything because I'm, I, I think I'm almost crippled by overexcitement. Well, that's not a bad place to be. Well, I said that there's a lot of things that are pain in the butt. Yes, they're pains in the butt. But if you like that, you like having those miniatures, you like having that level of engagement and that style. Yeah, there's very few things that can come close to that. I don't care if you think that digital or other alt you know we've had games where a bottle cap has been a monster yes hey okay. <laughs> that's called imagination oh man it can't be helped yeah. so all right the brown ooze which happens to resemble the uh bottle top from a seven up uh you know moves forward another quarter of an inch hey you know what there's nothing invalid about that no you, you make your markers. We used, used poker chips for Pete's sake. Yeah, we used everything under the sun pretty All much. All right, the blues represent the hobgoblins. The whites represent the orcs. Uh, the reds over here represent the Zvarts that are the backup troops. Uh. <laughs> you just don't use candy pieces because as much as it sounds when you kill one, you get to eat it. Some players, you know, they can't wait till their turn. Yeah. That red yeah. M&M was just con calling out to me. I just had to eat it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, true story. So, however you use it, however you like to visualize it, whether it be in the theater of the mind or with miniatures, finely painted ones or ones that have been pre-painted, it doesn't matter. Look, it's about the imagination and getting together with your friends to play the biggest thing that people should be aware of using battle mats and uh, even stuff like Dwarven Porch is it takes time to set up and take down. And during play, it can also get in the way of your normal narrative descriptions because just natural people are going to focus with their eyes and not with their imagination is not limited, but it's defined. What I said earlier is that... Yeah, it's steered towards something. Right, if you put... This down and you say, hey, this is, looks like it, but there's this, this, and this. It's not going to stick. Once you use visual, you got to go big. You got to go all in. Yeah, I, actually, I mean, an, an exhortation for all DMs everywhere to uh, bring their A game in terms of consistent description, you know, complete and as accurate as they can make it. Uh, and sometimes this will involve occasionally uh, cuffing. Uh, and uh, pummeling their players into, like, hey, hey, you're going to have to cool off for a minute because i got to finish this. i got to get this all out, and you're going to want to hear it. You're going to want to think about it. 
So, you know, hang tight. Let me finish the narrative. Then you may launch into your mass assault on everything in the room at once. So <laughs> right, and you... Uh, I, I haven't been the best about this as a player, okay? I mean, in years gone by, I mean, I've gotten patient and quiet now, which, all right, admittedly, that's a little hard to believe, but it's true. At a gaming table, it is true. But there's another person across from me who remembers, so I, I can't possibly lie about it. There's no way to blackmail him into silence. Uh, I don't have anywhere near enough money. So, uh, he knows what I was like at 15. And vice versa. You know, I, I remember, you know, being like, Okay, so you've entered a room and the hill giant chieftain... I'd kill him! Dude, you... Can you let me tell the rest of the party where he is? Okay, but as long as you understand, I'm totally killing him. <laughs> I'm on him like stink on a monkey. I, like cheap soup on an expensive tie. Oh. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. So yeah, he put up with he put up with about five, ten years of that before I finally started to wind down a little and go, Oh, oh okay, okay, I'm going to relax a little. But yeah, all right, I am totally going to kill him, but I, I'll let you get through this first. And there you go. That's when the tires meet the pavement on Deer of the Mind versus uh, any prepared encounter. Is no matter how elaborate, no matter how much preparation you put into it, players will just stomp on it because, you know, I used to say that there was a uh, amount of disrespect, but then I began to come under a different idea. It's enthusiasm. Yeah. And if people aren't, if they're enthused, they're engaged. And if they're engaged, they're going to react as they would in real life. Or at least in the pretense that we have of the simulation of the mind. Yeah, and degree of engagement is really one of your better fun monitors. Yeah. Okay, that if you're looking for tiny signals and cues that that let you know which style is resonating well with your players, that's one of the big ones. Degree of engagement, like the level to which they're focused. If they're on the edge of their seat, like, when do I get to stab this dude? Uh, they're in. And that is a good thing. So. <laughs> and I'm one of those guys who's enamored with the sound of my own voice, so I like to go into detail and share a little bit of what's in my mind with others. And it can be frustrating at times. But I find that the theater of the mind, that can all uh, is one of the detriments of having that, is that that's all you have, and if that's all you have and people interrupt that, it takes away from it. Whereas if you have the tabletop experience, where, you know, there's miniatures and there's things set up, they're no longer going to have that moment like, well, where's the hill giant? And what, you know, all this description, you say this room, you put the map down or you draw it out or you have it prepared. However, they immediately can see that and then they're engaged. And then you can give your little flavor text and just let them go. And, you know, that's part of the game. Yeah, it does take some of the work out of it. I mean, it does. The, the preparation time and like the the work is made up in the prep time and the management and administration of <coughs> the physical representation of events. But <coughs> pardon, yeah, you're right. But uh, the value comes back to you. Yes, and in that, that you you have a lot less of that. Uh, intensive questioning period where people are going, you know, they're establishing unknowns. Uh, instead, 
it, hey, it's right there in the visual represent, representation. We can move directly to the decisions. What kind of actions are you undertaking? Where do you move to? Uh, you know, yeah, you that's why it, I, I can't take a true side. Because, yeah, I, yeah, because you can go back and forth. You can say, well, hey, it's a pain. You just got done saying it's a pain in the butt to do all this stuff, and it sounds like a lot of work, and it is. But knowing that, and knowing that this is part of your preparation and part of your DM routine, and if you make that a habit, and habits, you know, develop into long-term uh, skills that you can manage, hey. I like to commemorate, in particular, uh, in DMing terms. Personally, I have enjoyed making use of miniatures uh, during boss fights. Like, if the miniatures are being broken out, uh, then if I can possibly arrange it, and things are uh, ending just before a boss fight, or like the next session is going to start with a boss fight, uh, I like to have that prep time to prepare miniatures and things like that for a major event, like a major combat event, is going to be complicated and convoluted. Uh, for the minor encounters, for the surprise stuff, I don't really feel like I want to be bound by the extra conventions that come with uh, miniatures. Mm -hmm. But for those special events, it also helps cement it in the player's mind. Uh, they'll remember that fight as having been more intricate, more involved, more carefully thought out. Uh, so it behooves a DM that, like, if miniatures are going to come out, make them earn their victory. <laughs> Indeed, and a lot of encounters uh, can be bypassed and played in the theater of their mind. I think a combination is probably where it's at. That's the happy medium for me. That There's yeah. sometimes where you want maps, and there's sometimes where you want visual aids, and there's other times where you want to completely rely on the theater of the mind, on the narrative. So... Yeah, I know that's a complete uh, whiss out from us making a stern <laughs> commitment because, you know, we talk our way around things because uh, it may sound lackluster. Your mileage may vary. The YMMV of the internet webs of the early days I is always it, it is always hit me hard because I, I totally am in agreement that everybody has a different comfort level with different things, and you're going to find it works differently for you, and if it works for you, don't let me stop you. Cause yeah, because, I mean, nobody nobody at this little round table is going to diss anybody. Like, well, it was working for us, and we enjoyed it. Oh, dude, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to dog it yeah, out. Yeah, if it, oh, if it didn't. terrible. You're, you're having bad wrong fun. Dead. Not my department, man. Yeah. I don't I don't play that. I think there's very there is some bad wrong fun. Maybe we should talk about that. Well, being horrible to people, we covered that in the, the bad wrong fun episode. No. Yep. You know, if 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 that was like the only facet you came away with that was of value to you, I have a serious question. <laughs> Were you there to game do you even game, bro? Yeah. I mean, Are you there to enjoy anything? I, mean, uh, <laughs> I didn't know this was you know, hate you in the role playing game. Yeah. Although you could totally make that. You know, I hate you go make that and play that. <laughs> I, but <laughs> I think that's called the old card game of uh, you know, screw your neighbor, uh, Uno. <laughs> you know, draw eight. What? I hate you. That's I hate you. The role playing uh, game. You're bringing me back to the. Uh... <laughs> 
If Uno was an anime, <laughs> that that little meme there. If you haven't seen it, look it up. It's uh, definitely if Uno was an anime. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hit you with four draw fours in a row. Yeah. The draw four card forces your opponent to draw four cards. How cunning! Yeah. I, oh, wait, yeah. Overly over, dramatic. Oh, the over explanation of every detail. I yeah. love it. Oh, so. Man. Anyway, as with that, I think we'll take that as we definitely wore the tires off of this one. So the wheels have fallen off, and we're now careening wildly down the hill towards the sewage treatment plant and the gasoline refinery about to set fire to both. We don't know which oh, one we're going to hit first, but it's going to be a spectacle. Uh, well, you know, just the used Pinto with different colored doors for gaming podcasts anyway. The tires were pretty bald to begin with. <laughs> no, I have much tread on them to start with. All right. So, yeah. Uh, Only take, one of its three cylinders is working. Don't take our word for it. Go out there and experiment. Get yourself a battle map. Get yourself, if nothing else, cardboard counters that are downloadable. Oh, yeah. And just, you know, or just a little punch and uh, put, uh, you know, a little pog size. Yes, I said pog. And uh, you can put them on there and, you know, that'll work just fine, too. Whatever... You can find that makes it work for your group and it still encourages visual and imagination and excitement. Putting all three of those together, you are winning. So. Oh, and you can, like as uh, Mr. Galligan taught us well, uh, you can do a surprising amount of things with a pretty low budget uh, from you know, any major craft uh, hobby supplier like Michael's. You can pick up all kinds of knickknacks and gewgaws uh, in bulk. That will serve you quite well at yeah. the gaming table. And will not annihilate your pocketbook. Yeah, and there's a couple of YouTube channels. I think it's the Crafty Bard. Does very uh, budget-conscious dioramas. Yeah. Just with I, stuff laying I around. I highly recommend watching that. Because some of it has been just really informative. And I, you know what? Darned fun to watch, too. Yeah. If that doesn't get you inspired, I don't know what will. So, probably not us. Because oh, we're well. terrible. Um, <laughs> anyway... <laughs> but it's good to be back. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Uh, so we hope that uh, this uh, answered some questions. And probably sometimes it's good to be bad. Oh, it is. And we are terrible. Uh, we hope that answered some questions for you. And of course, if you have any more questions or comments or concerns, which we should have a lot of. <laughs> well, yeah, you should be worried about the Ed Wood movie, of the gaming podcast. Oh, yeah, I got three of them in there. I'm beating them all oh, up tonight. No, no, it's the no, beginning of the no, year. No. I, I just went overboard. So, remember what I said about over enthusiasm. <sighs> it's just really nice to be back. <laughs> you don't want to be part of the final years. I don't want to be compared to that. Okay. <laughs> all right. So yeah, if you have those concerns, uh, of course you can forward them to our Facebook page, or of course contact your local authorities because. <laughs> Goodness. Um, and at the same time, uh, you can go quietly up to that uh, like button on our uh, page and subscribe to us on uh, Anchor, download the Anchor app, and of course you can get all the notifications when we put a new podcast out. And of course, leave us a message and let us know what we did, what we got right, what we got wrong, and hopefully uh, you enjoy listening as well as we enjoy making these for you. So, hey, thanks a lot for everything, and uh, until next time. May the dice always roll in your favor. We're out. See ya.